What's going on, everyone? We're trying something a little different tonight. We're doing a two-part podcast. The first part of the podcast is starting right now featuring Rob Shaw. We're going to break down all of the second-round NBA playoff content, everything we saw today, and then we're going to get into the Toronto Raptors. But we also have a special part two coming just after this. So if you want your hockey fix, make sure you check out part two of the podcast. But first, let's get to Rob Shaw. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, once again, not joined by my brother, Ian. He might make a sneak appearance at some point during this podcast. I really hope he does. But still, one month in as a dad, life comes at him fast, and he couldn't he couldn't make this time frame work. So uh, hopefully we'll get him back soon. But we are joined by Rob Shaw of the Shaw's Law podcast. The pod god is here. Rob, what's going on, buddy? What's going on? Happy to be here. Oh, we got stuff to talk about. We do. So two quick, dis- quick disclaimer from on my end. I'm sure you can tell I'm playing hurt today. I've been sick for about nine days, was getting a lot better. And today just, it's like they came back and just said, no, so this is my Jordan flu game. This is my LeBron cramps game. I got my bile still here. I'm powering through, but there was just too much for us to talk about. So, Rob, I was going to start with the Raptors, but I think after what was a crazy day of basketball, we're filming this on Sunday night following Milwaukee, Boston, and Memphis, Golden State. We, I think we have to start with Memphis, don't we? I, I think we have to start with – I watched a lot of basketball this year. I just did not notice the under two minute rule change. Please, please start there. What happened for people who may, might not have, who might have missed it? So there are two plays in the end of Memphis Golden State that I think needed to be reviewed. And the rule previously was under two minutes. Um, the coaches don't need to call a challenge. They just go review it. You do the little, the little home run sign with your hand where you wave your finger around. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Circle the bases. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. And then they review it. And the first play is one where it's, it goes through Andrew Wiggins' legs. And it's like a conversation of whether he touched it or Grizzly touched it. And that's at a minute 17 left or around there. And I remember thinking, why are they using a coach's challenge here? This should be automatically reviewable. But and the big one. And then the next one is the one that is clearly off of Memphis. And, 100%. 100%. And it's a jump ball. And Memphis wins the tip. And then they call timeout and it leads to um, the final game winning play. And before we jump into all that, I just want to say that this is an overcorrection by the NBA. Yes, the, the out of bounds reviews in the last two minutes were entirely too long. But that was the NBA's fault. If I can figure it out in 30 seconds or in the two replays that they show me on TV, all you do is put a timer because you want them to get the call right. You w- Yes, this right, is, right. This is a catastrophe if John Morant makes that layup and 
their opening first take and uh, whatever it is on FS1. No one watches with, that. Don't worry. Yeah. With the NBA gets it wrong. They got rid of it. They get the call wrong and the Grizzlies steal game one or not steal game one because they're the home team. But the Grizzlies win game one after something that the Warriors couldn't review because Kerr didn't have a review, but something that has been reviewable for almost the last decade. Yep. All you do is set a 30 second timer, 30 to 45 seconds. Hey, you have 45 seconds to look at this. Whatever you determine at the end of it is what we're going with. The issue was they were going like three or four minutes on every review yeah and overcorrection well and what everyone always says is the refs generally know the call relatively quickly it's that they got to figure out the right time and down to the hundredth of a second they got to try and figure that part out it was clearly off of memphis I, like 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 very obvious it, it, 100 now okay tell me what you think so this all stems because clay misses two free throws I don't know. Crazy. I don't know if this is like, is that a new like routine he has? Because no part of me watching him do that, like you know that the 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 bend and the no part of me was like he's making both of these. I don't know why. Even though he's the second best shooter of all time, and he's an eighty five percent free throw shooter. Even though, and the fact that he hadn't been to the line yet today was another piece. But I, I part of me was like he's missing at least one of these. What were you thinking in that moment? I wasn't surprised. I was surprised he missed both, but I did think he was going to miss one just because the Grizzlies gave up like elite looks. They gave up really, really good looks consistently to three of the league's, two of the league's best shooters. And then like Jordan Poole is probably a top 10, 15 shooter. Yep. Like they gave up elite looks and they were just misses. Like Steph got clean ones. Um, the one Steph misses, or maybe he makes it. It's on a Jordan Pool uh, right wing swing back. No, he missed, get, he missed it. Okay, Steph that, missed that was one. one where which was crazy. Memphis helped off of Steph to run Pool off the three point yes. line, and leaves the best shooter of all time wide open for an elbow three pointer. Which, by the way, in the moment was probably the right call. Like Pool was on fire, but and like Steph, but I haven't seen Steph and Clay miss this consistently. No. Like they were, they were really bad, and I know they were bad because I watched Curry make a second half adjustment. He shot poor in the first half, and then to get his rhythm, he took two consecutive mid range jumpers, like just to see the ball go in. Like, hey, look, I need to get a little bit closer. I need to get my rhythm. I need to see this bitch go in, and then I can go back to being me. It's funny. And Clay never got there. It's it's cool you brought that up because this this is not it's not new for Steph. Steph does that. That's his. It's kind of his thing. When when it's not going in, he does venture inside that three point line, finds a floater to go, or has an elbow pull up that he just feel it go in, mm-hmm. and it's a shot. And it's it's funny. I actually noticed that too. And you know, so we talk about how Memphis what they gave up. Ian tweeted this out too, and he's right. John Morant was getting by them at will to get to the basket. No one was staying in front of him. Not Gary Payton, not Clay, definitely not Steph. You know, Wiggins tried to kind of get in there a little bit, but they got to the basket at will. And I wonder, did you like that last play call? Because I did. I John Morant, downhill, you know, you have a chance for, I'm going to sound like Skip Bayless here, but you have a chance for a foul to go to the free throw line to shoot two. And it's also John Morant, who's like one of the most explosive players in the league at getting to the basket. 
you, you kind of hesitated though. Did you not like the last play call? Because I no, did. no, no. I love the last play okay. call. So I don't know if you're listening to the announcers, but um, first of all, it's John Morant going left. He's elite going left. He's super explosive. But on the jump ball, um, Mark Jackson is on the call. And him, he's making like, it's either him. Is it him and Jeff Van Gundy? Yeah. With They're Green. making a giant stink about six tenths of a second. Like on the call, they're like, hey, oh, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when, when I think it was this, Dylan Brooks caught the ball, there was whatever, 4.2 left. And they're saying 3.6. I wonder is, first of all, I thought that timing was, I didn't think that this was a big a deal as they made it. But after John Morant misses the layup um, too strong, like where even after he misses, he goes, fuck. And then he goes too strong. Like the cameras caught it. And like I caught it in time. And I'm just thinking, wow, I wonder if he had that extra six tenths of a second that they swore he should have. Does he take just a little, he has a little bit more control on this lay-in? Maybe. But I thought that the play Taylor Jenkins drew up is amazing. Like, so I'm watching it in real time. Gary Payton goes and gets in Jaw's chest. Mm-hmm. And then they hand um, whoever the inbounder is the ball. And John Morant doesn't move. And uh, like all like the five second count is going and John Morant's not moving. And I'm wondering, is he a decoy on this play? Are they trying to play four on four and just get, keep Gary Payton out of it? And then it inbounds to, I believe, Jaron Jackson Jr. And or whoever he, it inbounds to. Whatever. And he's gone. He cuts right for the basket. He, he darts. Yeah. And it's almost like it's almost like a backdoor from half court where you get him in a straight line with nobody in front of him. I think him not running jammed up Gary Payton. I think when the ball was handed to the inbounder, Gary Payton was like, he's going to go. And then when he doesn't move, but then he gets in and he just darts. And it's a turf, perfect turn, pivot, pass right to Ja, head of steam, just doesn't make the layup. Well, kudos to Clay, who did not play well. That was perfect defense. He, That's I, as good as you're going to get with I actually fast. think he got a, a hand on it. I didn't like, I didn't forensic this, but it looks like it. And you knew he wanted that after missing those two free throws, right? I, I thought it was, I, I love the play. I love the play call, put it in the best player's hands. I know JJJ is having the game of his life, but if I see a JJJ three to win a game down one, I mean, I can't live with that. I can live with John Morant going to the basket and missing. I can live with that. Uh, but speaking of living with it, because we do have a lot to get to in a short amount of time. Did Memphis just lose the series? Uh, man, Draymond Green getting kicked out on a flagrant foul. You're, you automatically just gave up home court. Like this was one you probably have to have. Similar to how the Nets needed to win game one win versus game the one. Celtics. I think, they need, I think Memphis needed this. This is going to hurt. I do kind of. So the two things. You're right. They didn't have Draymond for 50% of the game. He's going to be an animal going forward. What he was doing on the court, I'm watching my wife. She's like, is this guy okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is, trust me. This is him. This is is nothing. He wanted that. He wants to have, that fuels him going into the next game. You know, Clay is going to win a game. You just know he's going to win one game for the Warriors, right? But, and like, what does, what, what, if you look at this, what does Memphis go? Well, we could do this better. What, Desmond Bain can have a better game? Okay. But, but Desmond Bain is, 
Jaron Jackson Jr. was Desmond Bain today. That's what that I mean. Dude was in right. Wigo. Yes. Um, Dylan Brooks is the first person I have ever seen as a perimeter defender who just always is in foul trouble. I've never seen anything like it. That dude is a walking six fouls. Bill Simmons is all over JJJ on this too. He thinks that him and Carl Anthony Towns just take too many stupid fouls. But first time ever in playoff history, Rob Shaw, that three players under the age of 22 years old scored over 30 points in a playoff game. Very cool there. Do I think Memphis lost the series? No. I think that I think even for a young team, I think that they're built different. Would I pick them to win the series now? Definitely not. Definitely not. They could they could go on and win game two, and then we'll see what happens. But this one felt like this one felt like the one you want. Oh, if and, they don't win game two, pack them up in yeah. four. Because Oracle, yep. the Bay, is going to be benoodles in game three. Well, let's get to the other game. The unbeatable Boston Celtics ran into who they thought was the best player in the NBA in the first round of the playoffs, and Kevin Durant. And then the actual best player in the NBA showed up on their doorstep today at Boston Garden and wiped the floor with him in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I did not get to watch the game, so I'm relying on you, Mr. Shaw. What the hell happened to the vaunted Boston Celtics, and are we, are we, are we right in their obituary too? I'm not writing their obituary, but the same chamber of secrets that they had Kevin Durant locked in for four <laughs> straight games is exactly where Jason Tatum was today. And Jalen Brown, they buried him under the jail. Like he couldn't get going from the very beginning. And it's not that he couldn't get going. It was the, damn, he's going to miss shots and turn the ball over. It's, man. That dude, Giannis, with that ugly game was just like everything he does out there is just long and gangly. He threw it off the backboard to himself and it was super duper cool, but it just didn't look as cool as no other know. people do. Right, right. But that's Giannis. And I think Boston wants to make the game hard on you, right? They're an incredible elite defensive team. The game's already, Giannis lives in hard. That's what he does. Oh, you want to make the game hard for me? I'm just bigger and stronger than all of you. So, and I now, now he has a mid-range game? Who is a mid-range game Giannis? It's over. It's Our all, boy, like, my boy Peyton Pritchard was bad. But he was bad in like, I, I can't even describe it because like he was bad and then he shot like an early shot clock jumper like off of pick and roll. And, like, you want your role guys to stay aggressive. But, like, in that situation, you sort of also want him to know, hey, I'm not the alpha here. Like, this isn't Oregon anymore. I should probably move this ball, especially because I'm not feeling it. Like, he shot this with the utmost confidence. Well, on one end of the spectrum is Peyton Pritchard, who was a minus 17 in 11 minutes tonight. I told you he sucked balls. Not, not great. On the other side, Javon Carter was plus 25 in 22 minutes. Now, you got to think some of that's garbage time. Well, some of that's my minutes are stacked with Giannis. But, like, that's a, he's just a hard worker who makes your life yeah. hell. Like, he's been – that dude has been a demon since West Virginia. Like, I, I remember literally watching opposing point guards do the, 
oh, they're doing that press thing. Like not the full press Virginia thing, just the he's picking up full court. Look, you're going to inbound it to me and he's going to be up under me and you need to walk it across half court because I'm not fighting with this guy. And he's just brought that to the NBA level. Help me with this. Ian and I, we didn't have an argument, but Ian called Grant Williams really good at basketball. I, I mean, I, I think he's fine. Is it somewhere in the middle? What side are you taking here? Elite role player. Mm, like So all the things right. that I just said Peyton Pritchard didn't do, like as far as knowing, hey, I probably shouldn't. You never get that out of Grant Williams. Like every minute on the court, he maximizes what he's supposed to do. Hey, I'm supposed to try really hard on defense. Uh, when it comes to me in the corner, I need to knock these down because my shots are few and far between. So I need to make them count. He's he's not soft. Like this is a dude who who used to battle Bam in high school. So then how does Boston get back into the series? Obviously, they need more from Tatum and Brown. Marcus Smart was oddly, I know he got hurt. But like seven times. Yeah. And he only had 10 points, plus three, though, for a team that lost by, you know, by 12 or whatever it was. 12 is, uh, you know, that's the generous. That was the, the score. The score doesn't show you tell right. you the real story. That's that. This was an ass whooping. So where do they go from here then? Um, I think they're going to have to, they need more from Brown and Tatum. They need Brown and Tatum to outplay Giannis and whoever is second. And that shouldn't be that hard because like 20 points is just 20 points is just in a nice suit, high-fiving guys. Like there is no Chris Middleton right now. And if you can't beat them without Middleton, you need to go back to the drawing board this summer. He, this is from Kevin Pelton. The last 11 teams to win by double digits in the first game on the road, nine of them have lost the series. Interesting. Same, it happened in Minnesota last last round as well. So, so, so a little takeaway there. But I think you're right. I, I think Brown needs to be better because Brown being better does open up Tatum because you then have to draw more attention over to him. And you're right. This is all without Middleton. Drew Holiday, while he scored really well. Okay, how about this? How many turnovers did Jalen Brown have? Six? Seven. Oh, seven. Was, I knew he had five at one point. That... <laughs> That's bad. You can't cough up the rock that much. No. Particularly as the third ball handler. Like, if Marcus Smart does it, yes, it's annoying. If Jason Tatum does it, it's annoying. But you can't have your third option coughing up the pill that much. So, oddly enough. Because your main two options are going to turn it over as well. Like, it just happens when you have the ball that much. Yeah, Giannis said five. So, walking away from those first two games... It feels that you're oddly more confident in Boston to get their asses back in this series than you are Memphis. And I, and I tend to agree. Am I reading the tea leaves right there? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's a better basketball matchup. I think so, too. I think it was just an off night. We'll see. But both of these series are going to be super interesting. Rob Shaw, the Toronto Raptors bowed out in six, six games. Ian's not here to give his obituary of, of the Raptors. Second time I'm using that word in the podcast. Just today. So I will save his thoughts for when he can come on. But what did you see in this series that really surprised you? Because I don't think anyone thought it. 
it wasn't as competitive as the six games makes it seem. The Raptors got blown out in three of the games. They also should have won game three. Trounced them in game five. I don't know. What, 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 what surprised you the most about the series? That you guys have single-handedly ruined Philadelphia. <laughs> By breaking Embiid's face? Well, not only did you guys break Embiid's face, but you guys broke Doc Rivers' soul by just pushing it to game six. Like the media was on Doc Rivers' ass. Like, yo, bro, you know you blew a lot of 3-1 leads. Like so much that like now we know that it is something he's very much aware of in a narrative that bothers him. That response he gave, was- He gave a response- Was perfect, like, yeah. Like he's been like he's thinking been about that on in the shower. For yeah. months. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yo, the next time they say this, I'm going to fire them up. Because my Orlando teams, we were the eight seed. Like he was waiting for this. Go check those rosters. It's like, yeah. dude, you you were still winning. Like, oh my yeah, yeah, god, no, no, like, you want you you got up three one with those rosters. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah, right, like, right. He, he was sitting on that. You guys broke him. Well, and we are, they got Embiid and Harden were fighting internally. Harden uh, Embiid saying Harden needs to shoot more. I was convinced the Raptors were winning Game Six. I didn't think there was any way in hell that we were losing that game. And when I was when I turned the game on. I was so disappointed and, and it was, it was literally like deflating for me as someone who spent a lot of time in that arena during the championship run, cheering my ass on. I am literally sick today on this podcast because I was at game three cheering like crazy. Okay. The fans were in, the, were in, were in their seats for the tip off. It was half full. They weren't going, they weren't, they could have won that game on their own. The Raptors kept it close at half. They should have been in the brains of those 76ers fans. And you know what? You know what's messed up? Because they've won titles, because of this, they can now price some of those fans out of the building. You look at Jurassic Park. That thing was rocking. Let those, let those guys in. Because they would have won that game for the Raptors. Either way, I just think it was just too much. 3-0, you can't lose that game three. That's first and foremost. The, the injuries, right? Van Vliet, Thad. Scotty, the the illness to Gary Trent, that guy was a shell of himself for two and a half games. But the one takeaway that I think from a po- two things from positively, and I wonder if you agree with me on this. I think Siakam comes out of this series as like as a man. And I don't mean man versus I mean as a guy. Because he took over parts of that series. He he was the best player on the court that included Joella Embiid and James Harden, and not just for a minute, for stretches. And I think that he can take that after the shit that he's been through for the past two years to then walk into this offseason going, I can be the guy. Do I think he's the best player on a title team? No, I don't. But what the, the leaps that he made this year, I am so excited for it. Second thing. We already knew this, but Scotty's going to be a fucking problem. He's going to be a problem for a long time. That man was backup point guard, center, defensive stopper. Needed to be a, a needed to be a point getter. I, I could not tell you how impressed I was with him. And we already knew that. We've already talked about this at length. But I think those two things. If I'm as a Raptors fan, I'm walking the next season, going, "Yeah, we didn't get it done. We probably couldn't win the title this year. We accomplished what we, what we needed to." We became competitive. Scotty got the reps that he needed. And we just 
we just unlock, unlock something in Siakam. So for me, I'm walking into this offseason going, get me to next year. So my Raptors thoughts are, it's just like, you guys are blessed to be Raptors fans. Like I'm not a Knicks fan, but I live in New York. I'm very aware, aware of how incompetent James Dolan and the gang have been for years. And then just at every chance, Masai and his team make the right move. Raptors 905, they win championships, they go and they develop players. You guys develop the guy, the young guys on the roster. Me, you, Ian, the rest of the world was on Jalen Suggs at four. Yep. Masai said, no, guys, you don't know what's going on. We have Siakam, who's shown he can be the second best player on a championship team. Mm-hmm. We have Fred, who is one of the top five undrafted free agents of all time yep. right now. Yep. Like him, Rodman, and like you have to start researching to get your – like he's up there. Ben Wallace. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Ben Wallace. Yep. And then, hey, this Scotty Barnes kid, he might have a little bit of those superstar qualities that we've been looking for since Kawhi left. Let's take him. And he, I can't speak for Masai, but I'll be damned if he's not better than what even they expected. It's funny. We all doubted it at first, but then looking back in hindsight, it's like the Masai Ujiri got a top four pick. I, I, I think, he he might I think he's, yeah. <laughs> He might miss the arrogance of us. Honestly, like and Raph, like he could have picked anyone, and we should have been like, okay, yes. He could have called our names, and we would have been like, legit. Yo, yeah. this guy knows. Yeah, he knows that if you get me in a gym eighteen hours a day, I'm going to turn out to be something. Like, like oh, you're hundred percent arrogance right. of us thinking Masai would miss with the top five. So we got a couple minutes here. Do you want to get to breakout your breakout performer of the playoffs so far, or do you want? To do the, to do your quick predictions, what do you want to do first? Um, we can go quick predictions. All right. So who you got? Golden State in the Memphis series. Uh, after Golden seeing State, today, yeah. you think Boston's gonna gonna win the series? I don't know if I think they're gonna win or if my Bucks hate is just so powerful oh, it's that I have so to powerful. Ride with it. Yeah. Okay. So you're I, I just have like Boston is like top five most racist cities in the world. You know how much without I must question. Hate? Yeah. You know how much I must hate the Bucks to be rooting for those guys to be happy? But why? Come over to the to the to Giannis. His game is not aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, so that, that's the issue for me. As much basketball as I watch, I, I want it to be pretty. That's true. No wonder you love Kyrie so much. Oh the, God, he, you want to talk he, about a gorgeous game. <laughs> I don't care. This dude thinks the earth is a flying saucer. I don't care. His game is beautiful. Same for Durant. CJ McCollum oh, is course. another one. Like, I, I like guys that, like, bag work me. Dance. Uh, Milwaukee's winning this series. But I do think it goes six or seven. I don't think just because they lost game one at home that this is this is over. Um, I'm also taking Golden State. In the, the other two games, we didn't get to talk about much. Heat 76ers. Heat are missing Kyle Lowry. And B didn't even get on a plane to come to Miami. He's staying For home. game one or two. One or two. So this is this has got to be the Heat then, right? Yeah. A, unless James Harden is going to take off his second fat suit of the season, 
this one's over. And then what about do, do the Mavs have a chance? Do the Mavs have a chance? Oh boy, do they have a chance? His name you is you think Luka. so? Have okay. you never seen this Luka Doncic? Dude? Yeah, oh, I've seen him play. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then Jalen Brunson is just Brinks truck me. Like you know, you know what Phoenix has going for them? That Jalen Brunson probably wants to get to the offseason more than anybody because the Brinks truck that is about that to bag. be backed up yep. into his house. And like, there's no way Dallas can pay him because as good as he is, if you give him what the market is going to give him, he's just too small to be a legit number two next to Luca. I, I don't think so. I don't. Because if, if Luca was 10% better defensively, I think that Jalen Brunson is the perfect fit beside Luca. Because Luca has a ball in his hands all the time. He's like, I love Jalen Brunson. I just think he's a little tiny. And so what, like 10% better on defense. What does he need to smoke? One less Marlboro Red Pack Probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Or or give up a little bit on the offensive side. But do you really want to take the ball out of Lucas' hands? It depends what, what where Booker's at. Right? If Booker, he wasn't great in game six, but he, he was a presence. You felt him. He hit a big dick three from the left wing. Uh, like when New Orleans was like making their push and book hit a ginormous one. You're not going to take the Mavs, are you? Oh, absolutely not. That's no, yeah, you're saying this is the one. I know you're the biggest Phoenix fan alive. Yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, absolutely not. But I. OK, can we play a quick game? Yeah. Uh, somebody on Twitter. I wish I could remember his name. Uh, he's a Mavs guy. I want to say his name is Charles. I don't remember his at, but he likes to rank team, rank players before series in their top ten. Oh, the top tens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I saw you tweeted this out. Yeah, I don't really – I think it's Luca, and then I think it's three Suns players. It's Booker, CP, Aiton. And I don't really even think that's actually that debatable. What I really want to know is where people stand on Jalen Brunson and Mikhail Bridges. So you think – all right, so let's let's do this exercise then. So you have Luca one, mm-hmm. then some. You have Book, Booker or Paul, either Booker or. or Paul, and you think and you have Aiton, five, yeah, or that would be four. Mm-hmm. So then it's for me. It's either Bridges, <sighs> it's Bridges or, or Brunson. Brunson, and I just need to know. Like I understand that they're close, but I, dude, Brunson I think, is falling right now. Brunson is hooping, and I don't want to be like a prisoner of the moment, but I think it's Bridges. Jeez, I wouldn't. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's tough. So, so, but this is the thing. There's an argument that it's one is Dallas, and then the next four is Phoenix. But I guess you could say that with Phoenix about a lot of teams because that's why they won whatever 67 games or whatever it was. So then the issue becomes: How big is the gap between? One and two, and then two and six. Two and six or two and five, right. So, like, right. The, it's a it's a nice size gap between Luca and Booker or Paul. Mm-hmm. But the gap between Booker, between particularly Booker and Paul, and the second best Dallas player is a chasm. Yeah, you're right. But that's why they're so great. And that's what makes them special. So 
I am actually interested in that series. I don't think it's going to be over quick. I, I don't think, I know everyone in other podcasts are saying that, you know, Dallas is, is bad as, as, you know, one of the last eight remaining playoff teams. I will say this though. They know who the hell they are. There's, they're not trying to figure stuff out. They, after that trade, that KP trade for Dinwiddie and Bertans, things just kind of clicked. They were just like, all right, here we are. And you know, Luca. It's the, the, almost like Jason Kidd isn't the horrible coach. I know. I swung, I swung and missed on that one at the beginning of the year. Uh, I had I, took the I, under see, just I'm on in him. on Jay Kidd. Ah, oh, fuck that. I'm out. All right, last one. Your breakout performer. I'll give you mine of the playoffs. Mine was Tyrese Maxey. And not because I didn't know he was already good. But this is why he's my breakout performer. That series should have been over in five. Even four. If Doc Rivers knew how to coach. Because Tyrese Maxey, every time he touched the ball, torched the Raptors. Like, torched them. Got to the rim whenever he wanted. It's a 40% three-point shooter. And they just left him on an island a lot of the times doing nothing. And anytime that he, and I'm not just talking about game one when he scored 38 or whatever it was. This dude is awesome. And you, you've said it, you said it when we, when we did after he got drafted, nobody loves a primetime experience like Tyrese Max. That dude is a game. <laughs> that dude is a game. Oh, this is going to be on TV. I'm going crazy. Oh, wait, this is a mundane Wednesday in February. I'll give you 16 doc, but I ain't got much more than that. Would Tyrese oh, Maxey ESPN? Oh, I got twenty five in me tonight. Right, right. Would Tyrese Maxey have lost to the Peacocks in college basketball? Absolutely not. <laughs> he, he just would not have let. Uh, he just would not have the nerve of a Peacock thinking it could guard Tyrese Maxey. I just, I need, I wanted to bring it back up. So, who's your oh, breakout performer of the playoffs? I love Maxey, and I can't wait to see what he does as now the second option. Because, like, being the third option is still – it's an important role, like, as we talked about with Jalen Brown. But it's still the third. Let's see what he does with no Embiid in games one and two. Let's see. My breakout performer is Jordan Poole. Oh, that yeah. guy is that... dragging his dick all <laughs> over the NBA. Yes, Just, like, and just, like, in cool ways. Like, not just – he's not just a shooter, like – He's putting the ball on the deck and taking cool up in unders. He's breaking people down off the bounce, but it always feels like he's within the rhythm and the flow of the offense. He had a 30 ball today. And I think some of. I, this is a stupid thing. To, it's not a stupid thing. To, I'm seeing professional jealousy out of Clay Thompson. Like, there's been clips that have hit the internet wow. of, like, it swings back Jordan Poole's way, and he's not happy. And I just think it's, like, for the first couple of years, it was him and Steph, and now he hasn't been able to fully get his superpowers back. And it looks like this kid has surpassed him as the second option, but he's almost a breath of fresh air that they needed. He's incredible. And you're right. Dick on the hardwood for that guy. Ugh, All right. Last two uh, quick shout outs. I got, I got one more story for you and then we got to get out of here because I, I do have another guest coming on. So uh, shout out to Andrew Wiggins. A lot of winning plays today. I don't think he's ever tried. Like, I'm not saying that he doesn't try, but he showed up in, in intangible areas today on the court and it was noticeable. So shout out to Andrew Wiggins. Also shout out the Pelicans. I love watching him play. I can't wait for next year. 
they're, they're awesome. They're awesome. Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, JV, Herb Brooks, or uh, Herb Brooks, um, Herb, Herb Jones, Herb Jones Alvarado, like, yeah, inject that stuff into my veins. Last one, because we are transitioning over to Nick D'Souza. We're going to talk about the, the NHL playoffs that are starting tomorrow, most notably the Toronto Maple Leafs, my team that is playing against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round of the playoffs. And Rob, you might not know this, Toronto uh, has not made it out of the first round in a very, very long time. I do know this, and Charles Barkley picked them to win. He did. He guaranteed it. I wanted to ask you, have you do you know what an e-bug is? No. An no. e-bug is an emergency backup goalie. Every home team in the National Hockey League has to have an e-bug at the game. That is normally an equipment manager, Zamboni driver, someone who works for the team who also has a history of playing goalie. The reason for this is you can only dress two goaltenders in a game. So if two goalies go down, you have a, you either get have to play six six skaters the entire game, or you bring in the emergency backup goalie. So put it in this terms: Kyrie Irving, or let's say Nick Claxton gets hurt, they don't have another center. They could have brought in me if I worked for the team to play center in a national basketball game. This has happened multiple times. It happened the other day with the Anaheim Ducks. Really, really cool thing to see. These dudes get to live out their childhood dream. And the Toronto Maple Leafs famously lost to an emergency backup goalie two years ago when he had to play over half of the game for Carolina Hurricanes. So I'll send you some stuff on it quickly. How crazy is that? That's wild. (laughs) So wait, like the Zamboni driver? Is on the roster? No, not on the roster. He normally will practice with the AHL team if they need a goalie because someone's sick, but he has to be in the building in case he has to play because both their goalies get injured. A random guy. This guy was 41 years old or something, out of shape, just thrown into a National Hockey League game. Got to stay ready. How many tweets I'm firing off when the second goalie gets down? (laughs) I'm texting every girl I've ever met. Yo, I don't know if you're free right now, but I'm about to get in the game. Yes. And this guy for Anaheim who did it, he was like having a panic attack. And uh, he ended up letting in two goals on four shots. So he saved two NHL shots. He saved 50% of the the time people scored on him. It's it's not great if you look at the overall numbers, but honestly, cool story. So now you know what an e-bug is. So now when you're watching your highlights in the morning, keep an eye out for the e-bug. Rob Shaw of the Shaw's Law podcast, Pod God. Harry Potter. Rob, thanks for doing this.